The Star Hours, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast from the Star in Sheffield. Welcome back to the Star Hours, the first podcast in around about a month. Thankfully, there's not been a great deal going off at Sheffield Wednesday over the last few weeks. Joining me first, it's Alex Miller. How are you, Alex? Yeah, very well. Yeah, I've been missing these regular little chats. So, uh, yeah, delight to be back and firing. And, uh, yeah, like you say, there's not a lot to be talking about, is there? Certainly not, certainly not. Yeah, I must apologise for the lack of podcasts over this last month. It's uh, It's been quite difficult to get us all together at the same time. A few, a few of us throwing some uh, holidays in just before the uh, festive period to use them up. But uh, we are back now and we will be here with you on a regular basis. Here, always, is uh, Joe Cran. How are you, Joe? All good, mate. All good. Very good, very good. Well, it, it's very difficult to, to know exactly where to start when it comes to uh, to Sheffield Wednesday. I don't want to obviously go in too much on um, Tony Pulis' sacking because it, it's been a while. It, uh, it, time's moved on very quickly, but we, we've got to touch on it. Alex, uh, what were your reaction when uh, when the news came through? So very, very late at night. Yeah, annoyance initially because <laughs> I was sort of sat there, I think, you know, a couple of cans down watching uh, a film with the missus on the sofa. And uh, and yeah, I, I mean, surprise really. Um, obviously, things weren't going well, so it's not, it wasn't utter madness um, that this decision was made. But um, yeah, it all seemed to sort of happen in a hurry. And it was over to us to sort of, you know, put the pieces together. I think that's been helped by. You know, although it's only one side of the story from from you know our access to to Mr. Chancery last week, and sort of answered a, a couple of questions, um, but there is still you know a few bits that I think can, until and if we hear from uh, from Tony uh, and get his side of the story, um, it'll be really really interesting to see what what that response is and what his take is. So um, yeah, I, I, I think ultimately look. I was still of the belief, and I remember saying this um, when we were talking about Gary Monk sacking. I think uh, they they were just starting maybe to show some signs of of revival, but obviously Neil Thompson's come in and and really built on what was a, a you know a very small number of of positive results for for Wednesday, and and things just start to be looking up a little bit. They certainly do. How about you, Joe? In terms of to Pulis's second, I think in terms of exactly what happened, and we'll, we'll touch upon uh, Mr. Chancery's press conference. But I imagine the truth will be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it usually is. Uh, that tends to be the case with these these kind of things. But yeah, it just it just felt like it was a complete um, clash of personalities, really. Given what what the chairman was saying about what happened, and I think for for everybody. When when Tony Pulis was appointed, it, it felt like a a sensible decision based on his track record and you know what he's done with football teams in Wednesday's position. But um, and I think everybody was probably thinking about the fact that he was so far away from the I suppose the kind of personality that a lot of the other Wednesday managers have had. Um, and it was one of those that I think always probably had the potential to to blow up a little bit. Yeah, really difficult one. It'd be, it would be interesting to know the exact point at which uh, Mr. Chancery realised he'd made a mistake uh, and, and what the circumstances were about that. But he, he has had plenty to say, the, the Wednesday chairman, Alex. Uh, a ma- another mammoth 
press call from him, uh, and particularly his answer on on Tony Pulis. What was that like uh, as an experience being in, involved in that? Well, really, I mean, we'd done one what six weeks earlier, five weeks earlier, um, and that was a three-hour marathon. I think this time with everything that 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 happened in between the two press conferences, I felt felt it was a little bit more trying to pick the right word, but um, not confrontational, but a, li- a little bit more pointed. I think he answered more questions that were maybe directed at, at him and his sort of stewardship, uh, sort of the questions around FFP and, and season ticket refunds and stuff. I think reading between the lines, um, or maybe not too hard between the lines, but I think his intention was to come and, and try and set his his record straight on, on Tony Pulis and... Um, you know, when that was out of the way, you know, it was good to, to have the opportunity to speak to him about some of the other stuff that is, you know, very much of concern to, to a lot of supporters. So, yeah, I think there was a lot more of that. Um, he, he, he speaks a lot about what he described as a, a minority of supporters um, and what he is he perceives as undue negativity on, on social media. We got sort of a glimpse of that um, in the in the press conference previously, but um, yeah, it certainly reared its head again, and it felt a little bit like you know every every question that was a little bit negative, you know that 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 minority that he speaks about of supporters um, seemed to seem to come up in his answer again. So yeah, it was certainly interesting. Um, he's he's quite unlike anybody else that I don't know about Joe, but uh, anyone else that we we sort of interviewed before you know he's, he's got his own way of delivering and I, I always feel a little bit sorry for him because obviously it's not it's not his first language and so some of the the phraseology that he uses and stuff can can come across perhaps a little bit more coarse than uh, than he he means it to um but yeah i mean he was fascinating Short, shorter than the first one but i think we, we probably got a little bit more out of it to be honest it, the big thing probably other than the tony Pula stuff Joe was that sort of that direct calling out of of that negative element of supporters. What what the question I had after that was, how much of a minority is it now that is critical? And I don't mean the the the, the people who will attack in in very unsavoury ways. I mean the people who are very critical of of the way that the club has been run or the club has been run over the last few years. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on that? It, is it a minority? Is that minority getting bigger? I think it's definitely... A, I don't think I remember a, a more sort of discontent Wednesday group, if you know what I mean, for a, for a while now. Um, you know, you look back at sort of Dave Allen's time at the club and, and how that was, you know, when, when Paul Sturrock was fired, for instance. Um, and it, it does feel like after the, the Tony Pulis departure, which was interesting because a lot of people that were upset about it weren't necessarily fans of Pulis and didn't necessarily want him there in the first place. It was more about the, I think, the, I suppose the shotgun nature of it. Um, but yeah, for me, and I was talking to Alex about it, after the after the meeting, it just to me feels like it shouldn't be the be all and end all of, of answers that are, that are sort of given. You know, it kind of felt like sometimes that 
the the fans were brought into it and their negativity was brought into it when it wasn't really negative when it wasn't really relevant and didn't really serve a purpose um and, and all that does is sort of gets people agitated and gets people angry and that's not where Wednesday need to be at the minute they need to have that bit of a collective feel about them and you know trying to split people up and, and make people pick sides whether it's minority or not is is not you know it's not a situation that Wednesday need to be in at all and um I, like like Alex said I think it was a it was an interesting one I, I have never never heard at any point a manager taken down like that before no. You know the the way the way at which he went for Tony Pulis was like nothing I've ever ever encountered before, and um, you know obviously it is unfair given the fact that that Tony doesn't able isn't able to have any kind of right reply, and uh, and I'm sure at some point, maybe soon, maybe in his book one day, we know you know we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll get to his side of the story as well, but it was a really eye opening couple of hours you had of him, and uh, I think there was a lot of sort of interesting bits in there some some good insight into what's going on and obviously asked about sort of the the recent emergence of, of Eric Alonso for instance and yeah it was a it was an interesting one uh, but like I say I just feel like sometimes it felt like anytime something was said that was useful or was positive or was you know insightful not too long afterwards, there was a little. It felt like a little bit of a dig at the fans, and and I think Alex is spot on. I, I do think there's some bit bits that get lost in translation a little bit when it's not really as pointed as it seems to be. Yeah, it is. It is very difficult. I don't think. I, th- I think the only thing you can read into what he said, rather than the exact wording that he used, is the fact that he brought it up so many times. How much of an issue it is, um, and you have got to be careful. And this is a time really when. We do need it. He needs Wednesday fans together, and 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 you know it needed to be a bit more a rallying call than than what he gave because when people are feeling a little bit negative, they will identify themselves as though the, the critical uh, as being part of the critical minority. And certainly, people I've spoke to, not not people not active on social media, so it'd be unfair to just label it all at social media. There's a lot of people not happy. Um, the, the, with various things, and and this is the, this is the issue, and this is why you get more and more discontent all the time. It's an accumulation of things that people aren't happy about that gets brought out every time there's another decision or there's a, a, another action that um, that's uh, that that draws a, re- a negative reaction from people. People will remember the high ticket prices. And, yeah, it all piles on top of each other, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. And and there's been very little. The the, the problem that Mr. Chancery has got is there's been very little to rectify these other things. You know, it's it's been going on for a long time, and, and there's accumulation of things. So while everything's aren't going well, and it's been a long time since they were going well, that you are going to have this. And in in no way should people be abusing him. They should certainly not be abusing his his young son. But um, He's probably going to have to develop um, if this is ever going to be a successful partnership. Um, he's probably going to have to develop a bit of a thicker skin, um, to, to be honest. But um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what 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 comes of that. The the Pulis rant, by the way, was uh, incredible. Really, absolutely incredible. <laughs> I felt like uh, I had to consult the lawyers just listening to it in terms of. And it, it really felt like he was reading text messages, like like he was actually reading it from his phone verbatim. Yeah, 
It was so so strange. Like as you said, never heard anything remotely like that from a, from a club owner before. Um, there, there are moments, you know, and all three of us will know this when you sat in a press conference and there's something that is said and you just think this is absolute gold. <laughs> and that was it for 29 minutes, absolutely uninterrupted. It was just glorious. Yeah, the, be- the best bit about it, and I, Alex mentioned it in his piece afterwards, is that um, <laughs> when it was done, ch- uh, the chairman said, I don't know if I answered you enough. <laughs> and and the, someone in the back, we don't know who it was, swore and said, bloody hell, use a different word for bloody. But they were like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. as if to say, you could not have physically given us more if, if we'd asked you to. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> Incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, that that will be. Uh, I think that probably is up there with Carlos's uh, twenty pound uh, rant. As, uh, no, that will never be beaten. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, probably will. <laughs> that was an incredible time as well. Uh, uh, yeah. So you, you you touched on it briefly there, um, Eric Alonso. Um, what what are we to expect from uh, from his influence, Alex? Well, I mean, from from what Mr. Chancery told us. It's it's sort of as really. Apparently, he's been on on board as an advisor, uh, similarly, in, in a similar fashion to to Amadou Paxau, and he's been at the club for about a year. So, I mean, the the inference was that he was surprised that you know it was a name that had sort of popped up. I think it it looks very much like Eric Alonso has been doing the rounds. Um, He's been, I mean, he's spoken to a few sort of media outlets and he's spoken to supporters as well, which is an interesting thing. You know, you think the, the contrast with Paxau, as I said, you know, the, the the way that he sort of conducts himself and is sort of a lot, a lot quieter and a lot more, you know, in the shadows almost. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, you know, this Alonso... Chat, we're sort of learning more and more about him. It, you know, it seems like he's a um, certainly a wealthy man with with you know a degree of contacts in in football, and you know it's it's always difficult with these advisors, especially when you're talking about Sheffield Wednesday. It's a very thorny issue, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you know, like I say, Chancery sort of said, you know, he's 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 not a shareholder, despite what you know Alonso's. Instagram profile might have said a few days ago um, and you know he's just he's on board as a, an advisor and has been there a little while so from what we can gather you know he'll be assisting with, with the search for a new manager and uh, um, you know as I say he's, he's sort of in a similar boat to uh, to Pakistan in terms of who uh, who Mr. Chancerian and the people at the very top of the club take their advice from Very interesting I think it is for me sorry, sorry I was just going to say Liam I think the fact that there is a Another brain there, I think, is a positive. You know, the fact that there's someone else there to sort of assist in decisions and um, play a different role and a, a different voice, if you know what I mean, uh, just to sort of talk about where things are going. And um, yeah, I think it's it's a situation where this new chap's come in and maybe he's maybe it's it sort of come to the fore a little bit because he's he's. I suppose his stock is growing possibly or something along those lines. But I think ultimately with any of these things, like Alex says, it's difficult to really judge. But the proof is in the pudding, really. And 
Chance he said as much. He said, if the guy brings me the best players, if he helps me sell my players for better money, then I'll listen to him more. Um, and I suppose that is the the carrot at the end of the sort of the end of the stick for for the for, for someone like Eric Alonso is that if they can sort of get the chairman's ear and they can they can do good work, then they can you know keep doing good work and, and they can help push the club forward. That we uh, we're all all open for. You mentioned the manager search, Alex. Where are we at right at this minute? It's all a, a little bit quiet all behind the scenes. You know, we gather that the club are, are working hard on it. I think they're going to spread the net quite wide. Um, Chancery said to himself that you know he wants to be thorough this time, and um, they'll consider both domestic and, and foreign appointments. Um, again, this question of, of the new immigration laws might make it difficult for for some you know, managers from countries that, that did have freedom of movement. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that um, sort of falls and, and whether that, that makes an impact. But um, yeah, I think the, they've effectively got a two-week break now from, from championship football, which gives them... A little bit of wiggle room, um, you know. People have got different views on how this this FA Cup tie extra, you know, should be handled. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very thorough. I can imagine there's a lot of, of candidates. He sort of spoke about the process of putting it down to a shortlist, and and the thing is, you know, if if Wednesday had lost the last two games, I think there would be more of a panic on. But Neil Thompson appears to be doing a good job. He's certainly. Very, very popular with the players and has got the respect of the players. Um, so there's not that sort of absolute immediate um, requirement and panic, like I say, to, to get anyone in. And I think there's just a massive focus at the club on, on getting the right person in because certainly, um, you know, Tony Pulis wasn't that man. What, what sort of manager do you think that they need, uh, Joe? I am... Um... I'm not sure. I, I, it's it's tough to, to sort of look at the way they've gone now. And, you know, you look at the, the last three, they've been English managers. One of them, you know, Bruce left in very unceremonious circumstances. Gary Munt was fired. And then obviously things blew up now with, with Tony Pulis. And I, I think work permit situation aside, there, there possibly would be a temptation to, to go back to foreign. I think that... You know, you look at some of the success of the young, sort of dynamic managers about at the minute. Uh, you know, you look at look, look at Carlos even and the work that he's doing at Braga now. But it's uh, yeah, I think that they need someone who's going to sort of come into to steady the ship, which we said before. I mean, look, it seems mental that you know it wasn't that long ago we were talking about how the next appointment at Wednesday was going to be vital and one of the most important appointments they've made in recent years. And, you know, a few weeks later, we're back saying the same thing, but it's, it's true. You know, this next one could be big. And I think there is, there is genuine merit in sticking with Neil Thompson for a little bit. You know, there's obviously it's not ideal because of the transfer situation. And I don't think there's any doubt at all that Wednesday need to bring a couple of people and especially up top, um, but as Alex alluded to Neil is very very well respected amongst the players but also amongst everybody else at the club he's very well liked you know the, the guys love working with him 
and you know he's he's got a couple of results. You you don't want to get caught in the trap of of seeing someone uh, do do well as a caretaker and think you know he's the long term answer. I mean Wednesday have done that before and we we've seen how that's gone. But you know the I think there is something to be said for the idea of of not rushing into a decision and and you know it's been said a lot over the last few days that the fact that that Neil's got a couple of results. Um, and one back. To, I think it's back to back home wins for the first time in, I think, first time in over a year, uh, for three three in a row since 2017. I think, um, but obviously one of those wasn't his. But yeah, I think with 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 Tomo, there's a there's someone there who knows the club very very well. He's been there, I think, the best part of a decade now, and he is a he's in a fit position to sort of monitor over things while they make sure they make that right decision. Um, and if that means that he has to play a role in, in bringing in a striker and we and we're talking make decisions based on a short-term basis rather than on a long-term basis, then, you know, I don't think that would be a an absolute disaster, to be honest. No, no. But the, the thing I always... It, it, the reluctance is for, for letting it go on too long. You've seen it far too many times where... There's a caretaker appointed like this, and and there's an upsurge in results, but it's largely down to the group of players being delighted to have somebody in there that they're happy with, that they like, that they respect, that they get on well with, uh, and then that can often run out of steam a little bit. Um, I'm not saying it would, uh, but I I think you're right, both of you, in in that they've got time now. They've got time, and, and particularly with this bit of a break from uh, from league action. Alex, obviously you don't want to jump to, to too many conclusions too quickly, but are you more confident of Wednesday's survival after this last week or so, this last couple of weeks since uh, Tony Pulis has left and, and, and the, that upturn in results? Um, yeah, I, th- I think you can see the players are, are playing with a bit more... Um, well, a lot more freedom. Um, Liam Shaw sort of said that himself, but personally, I think you could see it from the first sort of 10 minutes. There were a lot more players ahead of the ball. Um, they seem to be taking a bit more of a risk at times, you know, just play with the, you know, a bit, just their body language and, and the way that they've, they've spoken and stuff. So, um, you know, for everything that's been said about Tony Pierce, I think the proof's in the pudding a little bit, you know, that, that, they have thrown the shackles off and they do look a bit more confident now you know everyone talks about a new manager bounce and maybe you know Neil Thompson has, has sort of benefited from that a little bit and I think you're right in, in what you say about it. I think it would be um, foolish to, to sort of rush in and, and make any sort of appointment even if he wins the next couple of games um, but yeah I, I, I don't know um, but what was the question Liam? Are you more confident of Wednesday's survival now? That's the one. That's the one. Ago, um, yeah, for, yeah, yes, I, ooh, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I probably am. I mean, it's impossible not to be. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is... Very, uh, very decisive there, Alex. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the fact of the matter is you, you, you're so sort of mindful not to get carried away. and. yeah. yeah. The, the fact is we haven't seen Sheffield Wednesday win many football matches over the last year. So you sort of, you know, they win. They're out of the relegation zone for the first time this season. There are 
games in hand behind them. In a normal season, those games in hand would probably be worth a little bit more because of the nature of the reason behind those. You know, the, there is going to be a knock-on effect from that and the game's going to have to be played at 100 miles an hour. So I'd, I wouldn't fancy being one of those clubs with, with you know, who end up with two or three games in hand. Um but yeah, I think, look, I, I've said from right at the be- beginning of the season, it, it's goals. I think, you know, if they're able to get someone in who can just offer that little bit more in the final third in January, then uh, it would be a big, big bonus. And it's looking like that might be, you know, someone from the bargain bucket, someone on a free or someone on a loan. Um, my concern would be if this manager search drags on for for three weeks and Wednesday aren't able to do any business until then, they might be sort of behind in the queue a little bit from from maybe other clubs because a lot of clubs are you know we're going to see the same again, aren't we? In the the last couple of transfer windows, a lot of clubs are going to be shopping in that market. So, um, I yeah, I would still think that they need they need something a little bit more in in the final third. Personally, that's not me being sort of doom and gloom, but um, yeah, I think there are, there are clubs down there um, who have players returning and that sort of stuff. It's still a very, very uh, tough task for for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, there's, there's obviously been a lot, uh, a bit of talk about Armand Nandwale. Uh, uh, as, is that the the type of striker you think, in terms of the profile of him, that, that Wednesday would be looking at? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the story that I did on him was, you know, I'd found out retrospectively that he was approached by Wednesday um, in the summer. Now, the, you know, the, there isn't any clear indication that that's returned. He's available on a free transfer. He left his club in Turkey. Um, but, it, it, you know, because of that link, maybe, you know, you could see that um, it could be one that they go back in for. Yes, I think a, a big... I, I'd like to see two or three strikers in personally, but how realistic that is, I don't know. But I think someone of that profile, like you say, six foot four, knows where the goal is. Look, there, there was a really mixed response to, to that story today. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Sheffield Wednesday signing a striker that comes, you know, his background is at Blackpool and, and Chesterfield. And um, I think that, you know, there are sort of assumptions made on, on players with that sort of CV. But he scored, what, 18 goals in, in 36 games last season in League One. You know, I think they could do a lot worse. And looking at some of the strikers on the books and, and the struggles that they've had, um, I don't think a, a striker of that nature would be would be a bad addition. I don't think he's going to be particularly expensive, looking at the clubs that he's been at. Uh, the club in Turkey that he signed for was in their second tier. Um, so it's not like it, you know it's one of the the big paying Turkish clubs that that spend all this money on um, you know pros from from some of these big leagues. So um, yeah, look for me it, it might make a bit of sense, but I, I like I say it's not there's, there's no real indication that um, Wednesday are really moving big on him um, in in you know the immediate future. Um, I just like I say I just hope they don't. You know they're able to to add a bit of quality in January. They don't, they don't leave themselves. I don't know. It's a bit harsh to say, but you know, with a complete on note, someone like Alicia de Cruz, or you know, and they're pinning too many hopes on on someone of that of that sort of nature. 
Well, this is saying that we know that they're not going to be going out there and and splashing big money. It's just it's just not the situation that they're in uh, at the minute. Um, and what regardless of whatever level uh, a striker's coming from that, that's that's a goal scorer, you're going to have to pay. Um, so if there's opportunities for players who uh, are used to the English leagues and have bagged a, de- a decent amount of goals and the thing about somebody like Nandwale uh, is that he creates opportunities for other people he's an absolute nightmare to play I've seen quite a lot of him in, in, in League 1 uh, a nightmare to uh, to play against so um, it, it, you've got to be careful what you turn your nose up at uh, and, and just accept and, and, and realise where Wednesday are at the minute and what, what sort of market they, they are going to be they are going to be shopping in D- Joe do you get the impression that there might be much business this month. I from from sort of what I can understand, I don't think there'll be any business until there's a manager done. Um, Wednesday cannot afford to be in a position where you know they have anybody tied down to anything long term and end up paying wages for somebody that the, the next manager potentially doesn't want. Um, which is why I think you know they, they'll be assessing things and seeing where they're at, and then. If they decide that Tomo is the right man to take him forward, for instance, um, not to say that that is the case, but you know, if, if that if, if the the hunt goes on a little bit longer than they'd want, then I think they'll they'll be looking short term and loans and things like that. But um, it it stretches into the the current team as well. You know, you've got a lot of players who are coming out of contract, some some big players as well. You know, you look at the likes of Adam Reach and Tom Lees, who's been brilliant this season, Barry Bannon, who's so vitally important to Wednesday, you know that's the that's the senior players. But if you look a little bit towards the the younger group, you've got Liam Shaw, Alex Hunt, Asazio Regide, all these guys coming out of contract, and you know I think they're well within the rights to say, hang on, hang on, we'll uh, we'll put that on ice for now, thanks. I'll wait and see who's going to be the manager first. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, this is. It's going to be so interesting, so interesting. So many names thrown out there as well. Obviously, one today has been Joey Barton, and that seems to have ignited the betting market a bit. Anything uh, from from your point of view in that, uh, Alex? We've been trying to do some digging on that, um, hoping to sort of find, you know, get some definitive answers in the next couple of days. I think, um, you know, there's a couple of pieces. It's always difficult isn't it when there's something like this going on you know which reports uh, are sort of worth a little bit more weighty than others um but the i think the one of the everton writers at the at the athletic uh has written a piece that suggests that he's not he's in no rush to to sort of get into his his new role and um whatever that might be and, and that he, he wants to get a few more coaching badges done and that he's lined up some uh, some opportunities to sort of watch training at, at Man City and Marseille, which are two of his old clubs, and you know the the fact that that writer is based in Liverpool, which is obviously where where Joey Barton's from, and I gather where his agent's from as well. Um, you know that that's possibly you know you can see that there's there's a, a bit of a link there, but um, yeah, like I say, it's it, my my any sort of initial sort of spoken to a couple of people that, that sort of know him. Um, and I think the size of the club would certainly entice Joey Barton from from what they told me, and um, it, you know he's certainly not 
a bloke from from the outside that's lacking confidence or, or that would shy away from a challenge, is he? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether that would suit the club. It, you know, the, it would be fireworks, wouldn't it? Jerry Barton and uh, <laughs> um, everything that comes with Sheffield Wednesday, it'd be box office and... Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything initially uh, sort of screaming out that, that that would be an easy fit or a, an, an easy uh, appointment to make. I've always found it quite hard to gauge how good a job that uh, Joey Barton's done at Fleetwood. Obviously, they got to the uh, the playoffs uh, last season. Uh, and they've been a decent side. They've been, been right up there. But he has had some decent resources at his disposal. Um, you've only got to look at the kind of veteran midfield that he's got that includes Glenn Whelan and, and, and Paul Coots and, and and obviously they've they're at the towards the tail end of their careers but they certainly won't have, have come that cheap with the with the ability that they've still got. So yeah, very difficult to know whether Joey Barton would be uh, a decent appointment even if he was. But I think Wednesday are in that position really aren't they? There's not it you're taking a chance. Even even with somebody like a like a Paul Cook who's been mentioned an awful lot, it it would be taking a chance. Um, and that's one person it, that really really does rate um, Joey Barton is um, David Lucas, oh, yes. ex Wednesday keeper. Yeah, yeah. Spoke spoke to him a little while ago about just to do a feature on on his time at the club, really. Um, and you know, it's I've I've rarely heard. Someone be you know so open in their praise and and it was more or less unprompted really. I I, I didn't even ask the question. He, you know he was talking about Joey as a future Premier League manager and he was so enthusiastic about his methods and and his his coaching as well. You know just the way that he went about it. Apparently he goes about it quite differently and you can see different bits of of managers that he's had before. Um, but yeah, like I say, for in terms of in terms of Wednesday, it remains to be seen whether that becomes an option. But um, yeah, certainly David Lucas, a big fan. He he was the goalkeeping coach uh, under Barton at, at Fleetwood. I think he's still at Fleetwood. Um, but, you know, it, if that could be done, you know, David Lucas back at Hillsborough, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, certainly would. It's so... Uh, th- these betting markets... Are, uh, not markets, but these... these uh, uh, the, you, it's very difficult to read anything into them, uh, particularly with... Uh, a, like an agent can be keeping a, ma- a manager's name out there just just to gauge whatever obviously Wednesday'd be a big job and I'm sure that somebody like Barton would be seriously considering it uh, if if that were a possibility but yeah it's there's so many sort of dead ends in, in all of this it's it's very difficult and we know that Mr Chancey has got the ability to throw a few curveballs in there as well over the year you know the last one last few managers have been um, mid English and, and well known to us but the previous two weren't so yeah we'll we'll see where that takes us we've talked a lot about um the the current regime uh, and they've got a difficult um task on their hands this week Neil Thompson Joe in terms of uh, the training ground being shut yeah, yeah, not ideal, is it? Uh, on the plus side, plus, plus side is probably the wrong word to use for it. On the, you know, they, they've done it before. You know, a lot of this group went through the, the situation with Gary Monk, obviously beforehand. They know sort of what's required from them when when training at home, when they're keeping fit at home, all that kind of stuff. Um, now it's got to wait and see how sort of the results come in and, and see 
when and if they can reopen things at Middlewood Road. It's a, it's a tough situation. And obviously there's a, a cup game to worry about this weekend. I think it was probably a game when Wednesday were going to use a fair few youngsters anyway. I can't see that the FA Cup is a big priority for the club this season, to be honest. Um, but we might end up seeing a, a few more youngsters than maybe we expected at this rate. This is the thing. It's it's not the lucrative competition it was. Your lucrative that where it is lucrative for you is is in TV money uh, this season. Certainly not in in crowd. You know you you're not gonna get a a bumper payday if you get through and and draw the Manchester United away like what you you might have done a few years ago. If there's any one year to kind of take your eye off the ball with the with the FA Cup, it, it's this one. So, but it's it's going to be quite interesting as well, isn't it? In terms of what what the FA have said about player availability and and I think you can have if you've got 14 available players then you will be required to play play. yeah yeah which I mean there's so much and it's it's so difficult to get your head around the um the EFL's guidelines and and what because different clubs seem to be having completely different experiences um I, I, I cover Doncaster Rovers they've had their last four games off they will be back in. in, in the You've had a lovely Christmas, mate. Oh yeah, yeah, it's glorious. Chasing around doing reports <laughs> of uh, players testing positive for for COVID and stuff like that. But they've had a, the Rovers have had a, a good experience with the EFL. The EFL have been understanding. They've been able to to put a case together to to postpone these games without little fuss. There will be an investigation as there is into into any game that's uh, that's postponed. But then you've got other clubs, sort of Rotherham, for example feeling compelled to play against Barnsley last week and, and we've seen that on a few occasions I think Wimbledon put a put a statement out uh, for their head of their game with, with Lincoln saying that both clubs had expressed concerns but they'd been encouraged to play the game so it's very difficult to know what, what position Wednesday will be in but by you would way, think that it would be pretty blanket wouldn't you yeah, like you I, would that, think that it would be like a like a set way of things panning out regardless of who you are who you are or what's going on it's weird that so many different clubs have had so many different experiences with it yeah I mean Rovers for example they had um, two players test positive so they cancelled the boxing the the, the test came through Christmas Eve Christmas Day Uh, so they cancelled the boxing day game didn't want to jump into any conclusions wanted to see get the rest of the squad tested and and, and see what the situation was Um, but then players were getting Sort of track and trace alerts through that they've been in contact, obviously with these positive cases. And even before the the test results came back and revealed another three players, they knew that they were going to have to request that the next ones were going to be the next three matches would be postponed because of that many players being required to self isolate. Now, I can't see how once there's one or two cases within a squad, how it doesn't wipe out the entire squad. Um, it is weird though, mate. Like, you know, I've got, I've had sort of friends who've tested positive and they've had situations where they've been living at home, only found out a few days down the line and still the family doesn't exhibit any symptoms or test positive. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. Like you can be living in the same house as someone um, and, and be fine. It doesn't pass on. And then you can also sort of bump into someone in the street and that gets passed on straight away. So it's, it, I think that's one of the the, the biggest issues with the um, with the whole situation. Is it's so very very difficult to predict, and yeah. it's so difficult to get a, to get a handle on once it's it's got there. Which is why I think, from a Wednesday perspective, 
as soon as they got a sniff of anything happening, they were like, nah, we've got we to gotta close it down now. And I think it's the right thing to do. There, there has been some really good sort of... Thing. From, not, I wouldn't say all clubs have been have been perfect at it, but a lot of them have, have realised the sort of magnitude of the situation and really stuck to these guidelines to to the letter, really. And uh, obviously Wednesday doing that at the minute, and hopefully it'll it'll play in their favour. But we just don't know. I mean, even even after the uh, the lockdown announcement on on Monday night, and said that elite football was would continue. Um, you still had to put a caveat on that, and that's very much for now because who knows what the EFL is going to do as as cases mount up, and I'm not sure there's there's particularly merit in a, in a in a uh, circuit breaker. Uh, I, I don't really think that that would do a great deal other than get rid of any problems that there are now. But perhaps as soon as you come back, there'll be other problems as well. But we'll, we'll see. I think a circuit breaker, you'd have to be talking. Weeks, not yeah, just a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. yeah. No, well, this is it. You'd effectively be putting the only way to effectively do it would be to put it into to stop it and to put it into almost like the same lockdown that everybody else is in. A two weeks circuit breaker would just basically, if anybody got it now or it were within any squads, that it should hopefully get rid of it. But then it would. There's not said the first day back that. It'd all fall apart again. So now we'll see with it with that one. But the, that is going to be interesting. This what happens this week with Wednesday, um, and very much could be forced to play even if they're not in a in a great situation. But we'll see. Obviously, Wednesday being tested, everybody's got to be tested before the FA Cup uh, at this point as well. Um, so who knows? You, you just don't know it, things. And we've seen with games getting called off a matter of hours before kickoff because of the, these things. So you just can't predict uh, anything. Uh, at the at the minute, but no, I think we've uh, we've more than met up for the fact that we've not been uh, been around for a month. We've had a, a nice lengthy chat this evening. We'll be going twice weekly from uh, from now on. Hopefully, getting you through this uh, this horrendous third lockdown or second lockdown, depending on how you look at it. Um, and uh, yeah, any anything that you'd like us to discuss? We, we, we obviously well, last time we were. Speaking in the lockdown scenario, we got into uh, a, a, a fair few topics not necessarily fully focused on, on what's happening now, and, and we can certainly do that um, going forward. So if anything that you'd like us to discuss, or any topics you'd like us to get into, feel free to uh, to let us know on uh, on the usual channels. But for now, thank you very much, lads, for, for joining me. It's good to be uh, back discussing Sheffield Wednesday with you. Uh, however the dire the situation uh, is. Um, so, right, uh, the Christmas jumper's sorted now. We're going up. It's fine. Oh, good. Good. That's uh, that's what we want to hear. Uh, and, yeah, thank you very much to everyone, too. Make sure you stick with thestar.co.uk for the best coverage of Sheffield Wednesday that is out there. While you're there, why not consider a subscription that will get you unlimited access to everything that these two fellas produce on Sheffield Wednesday, day in, day out, 365 days a year. That's it for this episode. We'll be back later on in the week looking ahead, hopefully, to that game against Exeter at the weekend. But for now, take care and we'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Head over to thestar.co.uk for all the latest news, views and analysis of all things Sheffield Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at the Star Owls or search on Facebook for our dedicated Sheffield Wednesday page. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever.